1: I'm very excited about today's discussion as we are going to be discussing the new WHO Physical Activity Guidelines. And we have a guest who has been in the group creating the guidelines. He is Professor of Physical Activity, Lifestyle and Population Health at the University of Sydney. He is the Charles Perkins Centre Team Leader on Physical Activity, Exercise and Energy Expenditure. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm honored to welcome our guest, Professor Emanuel Stamatakis. Welcome, Manos.
2: Hello, Oli. Thanks uh, very much for inviting me back. Uh, it feels like a really long time since we had the first podcast. I've been trying to re- to, to, to remember when it was. It, it really feels like six years, but it was perhaps six months ago.
1: I, I think it was a little bit over one year it was yeah. again? Okay, okay
2: it feels like a different era and perhaps it is a different world now it's a different world world compared to then
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think last time it was your morning it was my midnight and now it's it's my my early morning so that's the that's the difference here so i wanted to discuss uh, about the the new recommendations so congratulations for getting the new recommendations out It was probably quite a bit of work behind the recommendation. How do you feel now that they are out?
2: Uh, It's a mixture of feelings. Uh, All of them are very positive. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, it is there. There is there is an element, a a very big element of joy and pride. I'm very very proud of. The final product, the final guidelines, I'm sure each and every member of the guidelines development group, WHO, everyone is really, really proud. Um, There is an element of relief as well, uh, because I have to admit that uh, the guidelines put uh, quite a bit of strain on my work schedule. Uh, I was involved in many capacities, so I was co-chairing the guidelines development group, uh, I was leading the adult physical activity recommendations, the development of the adult physical activity recommendations. And then on top of that, uh, I was uh, uh, one of the two editors of the British Journal of Sports Medicine Special Issue, where the main guidelines paper, as well as another nine papers, were published concurrently when the guidelines were launched. So, uh, yeah, there were times when... Uh, Perhaps I would dedicate three days of my of my week uh, to guidelines, and uh, there were months where much of my team would work on the guidelines around September, October, November, 2019, when we were reviewing and uh, screening the evidence. So there is definitely an element of of relief, but uh, yeah, I'm very very proud. I'm very very proud of the final product. I'm very proud of the BJSM Special Issue. And, uh, I'm proud, uh, not only for personal reasons, but I, I feel and I, strongly believe that they will have a positive impact, a large positive impact for, and they will lead to, to tangible, uh, change. They will strengthen the case for, uh, physical activity, advocacy, and hopefully in the long term, they will lead to more people being physically active and getting closer to the, uh, GAPA, Global Action Plan on Physical Activity, 2018-30 uh, targets.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe the same. I think they are very good guidelines. And how, how was it working in the team creating these recommendations? How was the process? Was it easy to find consensus? And was there something that took more time to find, find consensus within the within the group?
2: Yeah, so, so the process... Uh, First of all, uh, we followed established uh, WHO standards, the WHO Guidelines Development Handbook, uh, WHO standards for evaluating and uh, grading the evidence. Um, And in total, uh, the guidelines development group comprised uh, approximately upper 30 to 40 people. Uh, So, we had the first meeting in Geneva in July 2019 was um, uh, around the discussions were mostly consumed on trying to identify the uh, population, exposure or intervention, comparator and outcome, the PICO sequence uh, that uh, many many listeners I believe will be familiar with. Mm. And we also uh, decided... About the, what outcomes would be uh, considered as uh, critical, which outcomes will be considered as important and which outcomes will not be considered. So it was uh, preparing the, Ju- the, Ju- the July 2019 meeting in Geneva prepared the ground for all the work that followed from that point on. Uh, as you pointed out, uh, the guidelines were based on consensus. Uh, all guidelines were based on consensus and um, the discussion of the evidence we had reviewed between August 2019 and uh, February 2020 took place also in Geneva in early February. And uh, I'm very very happy, very glad that uh, there was no need to vote on any of the guidelines. So consensus was reached on each and every recommendation. Of course, some recommendations, to the discussion took longer than others. There were some quite straightforward, uh, some were uh, slightly more complicated for uh, various uh, reasons. Another very important part of the development process that I should uh, let you and listeners uh, know is that uh, we saw not much point in, re-reviewing the evidence that was reviewed by the uh, Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans' Committee. Uh, there, as, as you perhaps know, this is an extremely rigorous... The Americans follow an extremely mm-hmm. rigorous process over a couple of years involving some 100-plus scientists and technical uh, personnel. And uh, we made use of these reviews. And so, effectively... The evidence uh, we reviewed firsthand uh, was 2016 to 2019, and uh, we concentrated on uh, reviews. So the uh, committee, the, the physical, uh, the, the guidelines development group, uh, reviewed only re- reviews, not original studies. Original studies uh, f- formed part of the discussions in February 2020. Uh, but strictly speaking, the large, the vast majority of the evidence was um, uh, published reviews uh, of the last three years.
1: Hmm. So, so a lot of a lot of reviewing papers and using the ACSM and Canadian guidelines for the for the adults and and children. So, what are the? No, no, sorry no, no, no,
2: no, 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 to interrupt you. It's not the ACSM. It's Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans. Ah, ah, sorry, CDC. yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so it. yeah. long it's a month
1: yeah. yeah and and what what are the main new things in the recommendations probably there's many things but what do you do you feel that it's the the main new things in these recommendations
2: yeah there are two different ways to describe and list the new elements so one would be to list the, what is new uh, against the 2010 uh, uh, WHO recommendations uh, and the list is very very long um, and then uh, if you want me to I could list what is uh, new in the sense that it has not appeared in uh, other physical activity recommendations uh, uh, because, because these are global physical activity guidelines perhaps the the former has more value so what has changed in relation to the 2010 WHO recommendations mm-hmm. So, first of all, I will start from uh, uh, new populations uh, that were specifically covered in 2020. So, we have specific guidelines for uh, women, pregnant women, or uh, postpartum women. We have uh, new recommendations for uh, people who live with chronic diseases uh, or disability. Then we have uh, new recommendations in relation to 2010. Uh, we have quite a few changes to existing recommendation and quite a few new recommendations. So first of all, the uh, aerobic, the headline um, recommendation, is uh, not expressed as a cutoff value, as a threshold. Uh, it's expressed as a range. It's 150 to 300 minutes of moderate or, or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous uh Minutes of vigorous physical activity per week or equivalent uh, combinations. Um, The 2020 change that had perhaps the most profound effect on the key messages that WHO chose to put forward upon launching these new guidelines is the removal of the 10-minute bout. In the 2010 uh, WHO recommendations, physical activity was considered to be health-enhancing and count it towards the recommended amounts, only if it lasted for at least 10 continuous minutes. In 2020, this lower threshold does not exist anymore. And uh, this change literally shaped the core message that WHO uh, disseminated upon launching these guidelines. All physical activity counts, no matter how brief it is. In 2020, there are also two new uh, sedentary behavior specific recommendations. Uh, The first one is somewhat generic. It's about adults uh, limiting the time they spend uh, being sedentary. And that comes with an interesting extension because it specifies that sedentary time could be replaced with physical activity of any intensity. And specifically, light-intensity physical activity. clarifies that light-intensity physical activity is more than welcome. Uh, So, light-intensity, there is no specific recommendation about light-intensity physical activity, but this, the generic central behaviour recommendation, is clearly implicit of the value of light-intensity activity, for which we do not have sufficient evidence. The second sensory Behavior Specific Recommendation is, uh, yet again, uh, somewhat a combined physical activity and sensory Behavior Recommendation. Uh, and it is uh, about reducing the deleterious effects of very high levels of sensory Time by aiming to exceed the recommended amounts of physical activity. For example, more than 300 minutes of moderate intensity activity or more than 150 minutes of vigorous intensity activity per week. So this physical activity and sensory behavior changes are applicable to adults, older adults, as well as to uh, adults living with chronic conditions and disabilities. I I would like to highlight one uh, further change in relation to the 2010 recommendations, that is specific to older adults. This is um, it's the recommendation: is that all older adults should aim to take part on at least three days per week. Take part in multi-component exercise, and by multi-component we mean uh, physical activity that addresses concurrently uh, aerobic capacity. Uh, muscle strengthening and uh, functional balance. In the 2010 recommendations, this um, piece of advice, this was specific to older adults living with chronic conditions. There were also some um, important changes in the recommendations for young people aged uh, 5 to 17 years, children and adolescents. First, we had the change in how the daily recommended amount is expressed. In 2010, the WHO recommendations for young people were about doing 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity uh, on each and every day of the week. So the 60 minute threshold had to be met on each and every day for someone to meet the recommendations. Now in 2020, we have 60 minutes. The same target remained, but it's 60 minutes of MVPA on average. In other words, the teenager who does 100 minutes of MVPA in one day and 30 minutes on another, they will have met uh, the targets, the 2020 targets. However, they would not have met the 2010 targets because uh, the target was about uh, meeting the 60. Um the recommendation then was meet, meeting that 60 minutes per day target on each day of the week. And of course, we also have uh, sedentary behavior recommendations now for young people. Uh, like in, in adults, there is no specific threshold attached to the sedentary behavior recommendations for children and adolescents. Uh, the There's a generic recommendation that young people should limit the amount of time they spend sedentary. And there is some particular emphasis on recreational screen time. There's a particular reference uh, on uh, limiting uh, screen time. Now, taken together, all these new elements that the 2020 WHO guidelines are bringing in, Will have some quite major consequences on how we monitor progress with physical activity at the population level. Will have major consequences on what we call physical activity surveillance, national and global physical activity surveillance. Most questionnaires that uh, are used for this purpose, uh, like the International Physical Activity Questionnaire or IPAC, uh, the global physical activity questionnaire or GPAC, they inquire about physical activity that lasts for at least 10 continuous minutes because, simply because that's what the previous recommendations uh, were uh, were inquiring about. Uh, now this all these instruments will have to be to be redesigned perhaps. Uh, it's not as simple as uh, removing the ten-minute bout qu- question the, from the questionnaire. Uh, once you change a questioner, you really, ideally, you should re-test uh, it in your target population. Make sure that people understand and it does not change. It, it won't change other aspects of the people's responses. And that could be quite challenging. That will I guarantee uh, I guarantee that that will give headaches to people who work in uh, surveillance. Having mentioned surveillance, I would like to take the opportunity to highlight a number of other important functions that um, these physical activity guidelines have. Some functions that are perhaps are not as obvious. The physical activity and central behaviour recommendations are not merely advice. They are advice. They're an important uh, uh, communication tool uh, for us researchers to communicating physical activity messages to the members of the public. Uh, Healthcare professionals, they're an important tool for uh, healthcare professionals in turn to communicate physical activity messages to their patients and uh, uh, several other layers of communication. So there is no doubt about that. They are an important communication tool at the advice level, at the physical activity prescription level. Uh, They form the uh, targets for physical activity campaigns. Typically, these recommendations will become the, the, the contents of future physical activity campaigns, Uh, future clinical prescription uh, programs uh, run in hospitals. Um, So the the new guidelines have a big role in implementation uh, uh, as well. So surveillance, messaging and communication, interventions and implementation and the fourth very important function is perhaps the most obvious one. So what we did during the development of the guidelines process is we we were reviewing scientific evidence using standard WHO, very robust protocol. So the end product, these guidelines are also represent scientific consensus. Some quite robust scientific consensus, both about what we know about physical activity and the health effects of physical activity centric behavior, and what we do not know. And that's yet another very important function. So these guidelines will um, tell us what is it that we need to understand better, what areas of research we need to invest more so that we have better, more complete, uh, more accurate, and guidelines that are easier to communicate uh, in 2030 when uh, we' we'll, we will hopefully have the next update of the who recommendations
1: yes so very very good points and and good that you opened the critical function of these recommendations I think many people can can miss out out some of those and and as a main main difference you said that, the the minimum bow duration was changed uh, that anything counts earlier it was 10 minute minimum so the basically the threshold of minimum dose is coming down
0: hi it's dr arto pesola co-founder of Fibian. we are happy to soon launch a product that will save a tons of your time the new physical activity guidelines will be more and more based on device measured data and this means that we need validate it And easy-to-use tools to measure sedentary behavior and physical activity at a scale. For a researcher this means a lot of work and effort on logistics and on data analysis. We have been working hard at Fibion to make this process easier such that automating the logistics and data upload processes and we are happy to soon announce a new product that will do all this for you. So stay tuned, and meanwhile, make sure you read the excellent papers around the updated physical activity guidelines.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate the rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.